Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The following program is brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio. On the day of Pentecost, they were all in one accord, waiting for the promise of the Spirit of the Lord. One hundred and twenty gathered in one place, fervent to trade for the Spirit of grace. When suddenly there came a sound of rushing mighty wind, the Holy Begin to be poured out upon all men. This is that spoken by the prophet Joel. This is that spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I pour out my spirit, saying. Good evening, everyone. This is the Tell Like It Is radio broadcast here tonight. And in place of Pastor uh, Bob Simons, we have Dr. Matt Ramsey, Matt Ramsey in studio tonight. Uh, if you want to get involved with the program, uh, feel free to give us a call in studio. Our number tonight, 701-225-5133. And we aren't going to have a text number tonight, um, but you can text Pastor Simons, his phone, um, 
701-290-7862 is the number for that. Or if you have any other questions or comments during the broadcast tonight, uh, you can email those to robertsimons58 at gmail.com. All right. Thank you, uh, Seth. And um want to take a moment before I forget to say hi to Tommy and Mary and Vivian and Natty. And uh, they're listening with their mom tonight in our living room. So hi to them. And uh, also, before I forget, just take a moment to invite you to church. We are, this is sponsored, this is put on by the New Life United Pentecostal Church right here in Dickinson, North Dakota. And uh, we, we run services two times a week, 7.30 Wednesday night. And uh, Sunday, we have a 10 o'clock adult Bible study and uh, children's Sunday school. And then at 11 o'clock, we have our worship service, and that's at 105 7th Avenue West. I'm sure we're going to be mentioning that uh, to you throughout the program. Uh, Pastor Simons is on a vacation tonight. I'm, I'm allowed to say that he's just he's going to be gone for a couple of days. Um, he and his wife are, are taking some time. He, um, he he got a really good deal apparently on this vacation, and like just just a couple hundred dollars, just a real cheap vacation. But the catch. And I'm not making this up. I kind of wish I was, but the catch is that it's a working vacation where, um, you, you, you know, the, the destination that they're, that they're at, there, there are different jobs <laughs> that the people, uh, will do. And I'm, I'm thinking like a vacation that you work is pretty much the definition of not a vacation. Um, I don't, am I, I don't know. I'm, I got like seven guys here in the studio. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's, but um, anyway, hopefully they have fun and uh, and we wish them well. And hopefully they come back to us safe and sound tonight on the radio show. We're going to talk about um, a couple different things. Maybe the, maybe in general, just the idea of unintended consequences. The, t- uh, the title that I'm giving this tonight is "I Didn't Choose This," and uh, I'm going to start off in Joshua chapter 24, and this is a um, book in the Old Testament. We are breaking in on a on a story here where Joshua is, uh, in chapter 24, is addressing the children of Israel. Joshua is the leader, and he's bringing them into the promised land, and he uh, sets a choice before them. And in Joshua twenty four fifteen, he says, and this is going to be a verse that many of you are familiar with, even if you have, have not read the Bible or, or you know if you don't read the Bible regularly, you you will no doubt be familiar with this. Um, it's a scripture that a lot of times people will have in their house uh, on like a, a sign somewhere. But in Joshua twenty four fifteen, and Joshua says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served, which are that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whom in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, you know, we're going to talk about this, you know, the, the different verses surrounding this as well. But, you know, have you ever been asked a rhetorical question? Brother Seth, have you ever been asked a rhetorical question? It's kind of smiling. All right. You know, it's it's a question that that the answer is obvious, or it should be, right? Like, like a like a rhetorical question. Maybe someone looked at you and, and like like Brother Seth just looked at me now and and says, "What are you stupid?" Like that's a that's a question, but it's you know that it's an obvious. They're not expecting an answer, 
or or maybe have you ever been asked a question where where you you, may, you know might have a couple different options but clearly there is one that's superior to the to to all the other ones like if your wife looks at you and says does this dress make me look fat like like there's there's some options there that you could go with but there's one answer that you're going to give when Joshua posed this to them you know choose you know who are you going to serve it seems like you know, at least from our perspective, at least from the the modern day Christian perspective, the the type of perspective that would put this sign in your in your home, the obvious response is, we, we will serve the Lord. You know, of course we're going to serve the Lord. We're not going to, you know, serve pagan, strange, you know, pagan gods and and um, you know, there's there's no way that we're going to do this. But um, I don't know. In fact, I, I do I do not believe that Joshua was asking this in a rhetorical manner. Uh, another version says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, you know, the, the idea that, um, you know, you've got other options here and serving the Lord is one of them, but maybe you don't particularly feel like doing that. And so at this point, you need to figure out which side you're going to be on because we're about to go forth and and do some things that the Lord has required us to do or asked us to do, promised us that we could do. And if you're not interested in being a part of this team, now's the time. Uh, you know, we're, we're you know if you if you want to serve the gods of these people who we're going to come in and and um, rough up a little bit, then um, you need to figure that out and, and and you know get going while the going's good. Uh, so again, I don't I don't think that it was necessarily a, a foregone conclusion that they would choose uh, the Lord. In fact, when people gave what we would consider maybe the the obvious answer, the correct answer, when they said we will serve the Lord uh, in Joshua chapter twenty four, Joshua, you know, and I've got this sort of picture of what's going on here. Joshua's you know, maybe standing up on a stage, he probably really wasn't. But in my mind, he's standing up on a rock, maybe or platform, and he's looking out at this this sea of humanity, all these Israelites, and he's he's yelling this out, and they can all hear him because it's just perfectly acoustic, you know, acoustics are just perfect. Um, and and they're sort of with one voice yelling, you know, we will serve the Lord. And he's looking out, and he's seeing people and men and and factions and and you know groups in this large body, and he is, um, and 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 looking at, with maybe just a few exceptions, at this time, he realized that they weren't really going to serve the Lord, and in fact, he says in verse nineteen, "You cannot serve the Lord." You know, the idea is Joshua is like, I know who you people are, all right. I, I've been on the leadership team with Moses. I know, you know, you read the the um, the life of Moses. Moses was called the meekest man uh, on earth, and um, he was tested uh, as far as he was tested um, with dealing with people, people questioning his authority, questioning God. Um, you know, people who, um, you know, it's it's really it's hard to be, uh, you know, hard to be kind to people who are unthankful. It really is. And, you know, one of, I think a lot of people probably have a pet peeve where, like, if you do something really nice for someone, 
either monetarily or you spend a lot of time doing something and they just, you know, they could care less or they complain about it or they throw it in your face or, or, or just, you know, um, that's a hard thing to do. And yet the children of Israel would continually do, God would do great miracles, uh, for them and to them. And, and yet, and then we would read just a few, you know, I understand that time had passed, but you know, they would turn around and then now all of a sudden question God, you know, what are we doing out here anyway? Why can't we go back to this place that we were, you know, crying out to the Lord to deliver us from? Why, you know, and who are you, Moses? Why are you, you think you're the only one that can hear from God? Which Moses never said that. But anyway, so so Joshua was with Moses this whole time, and he, and he saw all this, and he saw how how the people uh, treated again both Moses and the Lord, and uh, you know he says, "This is not you're not going to do this." I know you. You're not. This is not going to work. You're not going to serve the Lord. But they say, "No, we will." And so he says, "Fine. Uh, you are witnesses against yourself. Like you know, be be it as you know. You you've spoken. You know, you said you're going to serve the Lord. I've told you that if you don't serve the Lord, there's some curses uh, that are going to be, you know, involved with that. Some consequences. And they said, "Yeah, we want to do it anyway." He said, "Okay, you're you're witnesses against yourself." And they said, "Yeah, okay, we're witnesses. Yeah." You know, fine then. Okay then. You know, two people are in an argument. Fine. Okay. Just kind of um, neither one of them wanting to back down. But during this time, you know, uh, you know I, I, again, as we would look at it, of course you would s- serve the Lord. That would that wouldn't make sense to go after these pagan gods of the Amorites, for example. But back then, uh, to many of those people, there were some benefits to serving these other gods. And in fact, all throughout Israel's history in the Old Testament, we see the people going after these other gods and trying to live like these these other nations, uh, the other nations that were around them, again and again. And so there was some benefit there. There was some draw there. There was some, they saw something where serving the Lord didn't seem to be as positive as what Joshua was was putting it, you know, in it as as a positive light as he was putting it in. Um, you read the book of Judges, for example, and just within a few short chapters, the the same phrase, you know, something to the effect that, and again, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord, popped up just time after time after time, I think like five times in a row, um, within just a, you know, a few, few short chapters, falling back and serving these other gods. Like they'd do okay, and then they'd, they'd serve the other gods, and then they'd do a little bit okay. You know, God would deal with them, and then they they go right back to it. And so, you know, again, they, they saw something positive in serving these other gods, and and uh, and what I, and I, I'm going somewhere with all this. Hopefully, I, I'm not, uh, you know, just prolonging this. But I want to paint this picture that it's it's human nature for for man to naturally be drawn to things that he or she determines to bring them a net positive. And this is what Joshua was saying: figure it out. What's going to benefit you the most? Because there's there's, um, he said, for me, I believe that serving the Lord is going to be the, the benefit. You make up your own mind. And this is what humans do. Uh, I believe this is how we were created to do these things. The problem is our calculus is often wrong. You know, our, when, we, when we weigh uh, uh, the, positive and, and the, the positives and the negatives of certain things and what's going to bring us the most pleasure, what's going to be the best for our future and for our family, 
oftentimes our our math is off. What we think we want, uh, what we think will bring us the most pleasure and comfort, what will sustain us, uh, typically is not what is really good. And um, you know we can look at you know the old idea, and it's been brought up b- before, but. Everyone, you know, if you would ask someone if does money buy you happiness, everyone's going to give you the correct answer, and they're going to say no, it does not buy you happiness. But what are people living for? You know, they can say it doesn't buy them happiness, but when they, you know, well, they'll 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 strive for it, they'll think about it, they'll they'll get into fights about it. Uh, you know, the number one thing that couples fight about is 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 money, right? And so. Uh, you know, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, it's saying that money doesn't buy you happiness, but how many people, you know, dream about, you know, winning the lottery, right? Winning it big in the lottery and, oh, I could do this and I could do that. If I just had a little bit more money, you know, these pro, I wouldn't have these problems. And, uh, and so again, we, we don't really calculate correctly oftentimes. There's a section we're going to read here in Jeremiah chapter 44 that, uh, shows another problem with how humans reason. Jeremiah chapter forty-four, uh, verse fifteen. Again, I'm, so we're sort of breaking in on a on a scene here, but Jeremiah is trying to get the people uh, back to, you know, to to bring them back to serving the Lord, and um, they're not really having it here. And then verse fifteen says, "Then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods." And all the woman, women that stood by, a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt and Pathros, answered Jeremiah, saying, As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee, but we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth, to burn incense unto the queen of heaven, and to pour out drink offerings unto her, as we have done, and we and our fathers, our kings and our princes, in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then had we plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. But since we left off to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by famine. And when we burned incense to the Queen of Heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, do we make cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men? And uh, before we get to a song, I'm going to break this passage down a, a little bit here because it's there's several things going on that I think that we can learn uh, lessons from and that we see possibly even parallels to uh, sort of our, our current, you know, where we're at in, in, in our society now. So, uh, you know, in verse 16, uh, the people, the men, the women, they say, you know, this word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord. You know, you're saying that you have a message from the Lord. And by the way, tonight I'm saying this is a message from the Lord. Did God speak to me audibly? No. Um, uh, you know, but this is w- what I'm, I'm talking about. These scriptures, these scriptures are from the Lord. Um, this message is, is in that sense from the Lord. And, um, you know, I don't know who's all listening tonight, but it's very possible that you would hear this and say, uh, that you're not going to listen to it. Uh, and that, you know, that is certainly you're right. But here they're saying, uh, you know, this this message that you have told us is from the Lord. We're not going to listen to you. Verse 17, we're going to do what we want to do. You know, I, you know, I just, uh, I, I love this. You know, I do what I want. This this is the attitude that is not new today. 
This is an attitude that's been around for thousands of years. But we will certainly do whatsoever things go go forth out of our own mouth. And um, you know, I guess the maybe my imagination's running wild for me. It's like it's like they don't even know what they're saying. You know, you, you, you meet people who just um, it's like their brain's not on, but their mouth is just going, and just things are just coming out. And uh, you're just wondering if they're actually thinking about what they're saying, but it's just their mouth is just going, and and that uh, it, it almost seems like what's going on here. We're gonna do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth. You know, we're just you know, we're, we'll, we'll talk. We don't know what it is, but you know, whatever. You know, we'll just we'll do it. We're gonna burn incense to the Queen of Heaven. You know, we're gonna do all this, you know, idolatry worship, all these things, and and uh, you know, our fathers did it, our kings do it. Um, we did it in Judah. We did it in Jerusalem. Where you know, and when we did it. This is still in verse 17. Uh, we had plenty of food. We were happy. We were healthy. We didn't see any. We didn't have, you know, our our, our dog wasn't dead. You know, we, 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 everything was going really great. In verse 18. But as soon as we stopped, we listened to you for a while. And we're, we're trying to serve this Lord, right? This Lord God that you've been talking to us about. And ever since then, man, we're getting, you know, beat up and we've got financial problems and we don't have enough to eat uh and and and, uh and so this is you know so we're not gonna we don't we don't buy what you're saying here you know and then in verse 19 this is kind of a little bit off of you know my main point but i just think this is interesting um because here clearly is the women speaking and and they say that you know when when we did this when we were when we were doing this worship you know, because Jeremiah was maybe kind of putting it off on, on like maybe it was the women's fault. He said, "Do you think that we did this without our men knowing about it, without our men helping out?" You know, Jeremiah, this wasn't something that like just you know those those you know women were were all you know they're we're not just the responsible ones. They knew full well what was going on, and uh, you know I'll I'll just you know leave it here. I, how many how many men? shirk responsibility you know as far as taking what the bible clearly shows and we're not doing the bible study on it so i can make that statement and you know i just i'm not really backing it up tonight but we've done other shows on that but when the bible shows a a spiritual uh leadership role for the man um and when they when they shirk that when they don't do that um you know it's not as if Men can be are, are scot free. They're 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 um, they're not um, devoid of any responsibility. Uh, they are responsible no matter if if they take the reins or if they don't. And so you know what these women were saying here is like you know you can try to put this on us, Jeremiah, but they knew about it and our men knew about it, so they're just as guilty as we are. And so uh, again, you know, we when we when we th- talking about, and I'm gonna we're, we're sort of sort of slowly getting to the the title i didn't choose this but we're talking about how we're often wrong in uh realizing what will actually bring us the most happiness the most comfort the most pleasure what will actually sustain us we're wrong on that and then we're wrong as these people were with cause and effect relationships in other words uh in, in verse 18, they say, But since we left off to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven, uh, we have been consumed by the sword and by famine. So they were thinking that all of this bad stuff that was happening to them at the time was due to the fact that they weren't worshiping their pagan god. When actually what was pro- what the, what the problem was is that 
the, the chickens were coming home to roost, so to speak. They had been not serving the Lord this whole time. And all of these problems, God's judgment was, was falling upon them. And when they kind of switched and they, they said, well, now we're going to serve the Lord, God just didn't, as he often doesn't, he didn't just immediately take away those consequences of their past behavior. And so oftentimes we see people who will live a life of, of sin. You know, they'll, they'll have nothing to do with God. Um, they'll, they'll be in, involved in, you know, drugs and alcohol, or, although not only just that. I mean, you know, just having horrible relationships, destroying families, um, uh, bitterness, anger, you know, uh, people just mean, you know, meanness. Then they come to the Lord and uh, they're serving him. And they look around and they're seeing all these negative consequences. Like maybe they're locked up because of DUIs. Maybe they're, maybe they're, um, they get, they get their kids taken away from them for, for various reasons. Maybe they still have people mad at them or, or you know, wh- whatever. And they think, well, I'm serving the Lord and all this bad stuff is happening. It's not that. It's just the, the fact that, that, you know, you're reaping what you sowed. And so now the idea is start sowing some good things and you're going to reap good things in due season. And so again, we, we we misrepresent what's going to make us happy, and we and we have uh, we we mess up the the cause and effect relationships. And so we're going to go to a song here, and when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about the uh, this idea of unintended consequences. <laughs> Work 
This is the Tell It Like It Is radio show. I am Matt Ramsey in for Pastor Simons tonight. We're talking about I Didn't Choose This. Now, there was a lot of pressure you know, for Israel to serve other gods. And this is going back to now where Joshua was talking to them. And some of that pressure, obviously, I, I believe, was external. Um, they were living in and, and amongst these groups. And, of course, as they settled in that area, they weren't... And they did not drive out everyone that they were supposed to drive out. Uh, that pressure, no doubt, increased. Um, and they were being influenced by them. And uh, that's sort of a, you know, we've done that topic uh, as well on this radio broadcast, being influenced by the world and, and things of that nature. Um, but some of that pressure was internal. In other words, uh, they didn't like the Lord's rules. Uh, you know, maybe they felt like they were too restrictive um, and and they were searching for alternatives, and um, and so and they and so people. I mean, they realized that there, uh, there was a God, or there was a Creator, and if they uh, you know didn't want to serve the Lord, Joshua's Lord, the Israelites' Lord, then they would uh, look for the gods around them. And so some people picked the gods of the Amorites and the Moabites and the Hittites and the Philistines uh, and, and all of those groups that were around them. And at some point, uh, Molech enters the picture, Molech worship. Molech was a god, um, the, well, the, you know, I'll give you a little Wikipedia session here. The, the Phoenicians were uh, a group of people around uh, Canaan and uh, this was, you know, the, although Molech worship wasn't just limited to Canaan, it was actually uh, as far uh, spread out as far as uh, North Africa. There's, they found some um, statues, some monoliths bearing a, an, an, an engraving that they translate uh, to mean either a sacrifice of lamb or sacrifice of man. And in Molech worship, that was a, a predominant part of that was was sacrificing uh, children and and so there was you know different names but the worship was the same and when we saw Molech worship in in Greece and Greece under different names and all, all different uh, just a widespread uh, worship of this particular God in Genesis 12 Abraham uh, of course this is this happens uh, before the events in Joshua but uh, Abraham follows God's call to, to move to Canaan. 
and uh, so he's in Canaan. He's he's away from his people, and he's serving the Lord. He is the you know Abraham's known as the father of the faith. He was the first one to 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 know the Lord, to call on the name of the Lord, know Him uh, as He is, and. Um, uh, Part of what was going on in the land of Canaan was this uh, Molech worship, right? Through through the Phoenicians and other people, and so in this new land, human sacrifice was part of how you worshipped your God. Which is interesting because in Genesis twenty two two, God speaks in an audible voice to Abraham and says, uh, "Abraham, take your son." Your only son, and then just to pour the salt in the wound a little bit, he says, whom thou lovest, right? In case Abraham didn't know which son he was talking about, maybe, I don't know. Um, and, and and sacrifice him to me. And we know now, you know, that this is a test. But Abraham didn't know it at the time. And so Abraham takes Isaac, and we're not going to rehash the story. You're probably familiar with it. And before Abraham... Uh, sacrifices Isaac. Of course, they have a conversation about this, Abraham and Isaac do. And, and Abraham, by faith, says that you know God's going to provide uh, a sacrifice. Don't worry, son; He will provide a sacrifice. And but it gets to the point where you know Isaac's on the the slab or whatever they used, and Abraham has the knife in his hand, ready to sacrifice his child. But then God distinguishes Himself from other gods like like Moloch. And he says, do not kill your son, you, 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 and you kill this lamb and said that a ram was provided for, for Abraham. And so he, he did provide the sacrifice. And so with that, God is saying um, uh, several different things. Number one is that, that he did not want human sacrifice. That was the, that was the first. But second, again, is this, this distinguishing, I am not like the other gods in the land in whom you dwell. You're not going to worship me in the way that you worship them. And as such, the consequences for worshiping me are going to be different than the consequences for worshiping them, which we're going to get to that. But even Solomon, who was you know, the wisest king, the wisest man ever to live, um, was eventually swayed by this, this cult of Moloch. And he builds these places for worship uh, for Moloch. And in First Kings 11, uh, verse 1, it talks about uh, Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and the Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon Clave unto these in love. And then in verse 7 it says, Then then did Solomon build an high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Amnon. And likewise did he for all of his strange wives which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. So Solomon literally builds a place where people that he had rule over could uh, could could kill their children in, in, a, in a sacrificial worship. This is, Solomon does this. And then, so we sort of wonder why, well, we don't wonder why, but, you know, sarcastically, we wonder why he wrote, vanity, vanity, all is vanity, right? 
because this is where he was at. This is where his heart was at. And um, I got to think that Solomon did not start off this way, right? If you if you would have told Solomon that, you know, when at the start of his reign when he was sacrificing and, and uh, all these animals to the Lord and worshiping the Lord in this, in this just giant, um, uh, you know, church service, if I could put it that way, and God was so pleased with him and um, just living just, you know, just perfect before the Lord. If you would have told Solomon that in just a short time he would be building altars for other gods, um, and and you know, and then you would have started to tell them what what type of worship was was involved with these other gods, which he would have known that. But he would have thought that you were out of your mind. Um, he would have been very offended, and 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 possibly there would have been some punishment for saying such a blasphemous thing to the uh, to the the king of Israel. But as Solomon began to do things that as a Jew he was not permitted to do, which was to take a wife from another nation. And I will say this, this is maybe just a, a little bit off the subject. Um, you know, it, it really, it wasn't that Solomon was racist. Um, but here's the thing. Culture does matter. Uh, religion matters. Shared values matter. Um, they mattered then, they mattered today. Um, so, you know, the, the idea we're facing some really weird political things in, in our, in the, where, where our world is. Um, but ideology matters. I really don't care what, what race you are, you know, what your, what your body shape is, how tall you are. If you're skinny, you're fat, you're short, you're tall. <coughs> that doesn't matter. You know, how much, you know, how much melanin you have in your skin. That doesn't matter. But your ideas matter. Your culture matters. Of course it does. If you, you know, let's just make up a culture. If you come from a culture that you believe that that unless we are your certain religion, um, you you need to be executed or, you know, either convert to our, our your religion or, or be executed. I'm just, just to make up an example there. Uh, if, if that's where you're from, I have a problem with that. Uh, I, I, I would... I would not want someone that really truly believed that and was you know passionate about their beliefs and, and actively sought to to um, have those beliefs um, you know enacted I would not want that person in my country now the difficulty of course is is you know identifying such a person if, if that would be if that person would exist um, and I and I'm not trying to you know simplify things but all I'm, my whole point is that uh, Absolutely, culture matters, and absolutely, religion matters, and ideology matters. And so, it wasn't that God was trying to create a master race of of the Jews, because you could convert to Judaism, right? Even even back then, right? So God was pretty progressive in that sense. But it was the idea that God did not want, not just for Solomon, but for all the men of Israel and all the women as well. He did not want these other cultures with their other gods coming in and uh, polluting the his, his people. And this is exactly what happens. Solomon destroyed um, this nation. I mean, eventually it got to the, just his, right, you know, he passes away and then his son comes into power and the kingdom is ripped apart. 
we put this on his son, Rehoboam, but he was trained by someone and, and obviously not trained where uh, the Lord was the was the um, you know the, the primary uh, go to the primary focus because Solomon's heart was away from the Lord uh, at his, as we read in his, his end or his latter years and so people you know the point of this is that people spend their lives and we're going to go to another short song here and uh, but people spend their lives not serving the Lord they they spend their lives going after the things of the world. And when consequences come, they don't realize that they're the ones that chose it. That they that all along they were building towards a particular outcome. They didn't realize it, but they could have realized it. They should have realized it. And we're going to be talking more about that right when we come back. Come by and eat. Why look and hide? 
Don Francisco, if you're thirsty. This is the Tell Like It Is radio broadcast here tonight. Uh, filling in for Pastor uh, Bob Simons is uh, Dr. Matt Ramsey. He's going to be here uh, finishing out the program here tonight. But if you'd like to get a hold of us, <clears throat> we um, are, excuse me, our in-studio number is 701-225-5133. Uh, and our text numbers, uh, Matt is not going to give out, Dr. Matt Ramsey is not giving out his text number tonight. But you can text, uh, text. Pastor Simon, 701-290-7862, or you can email him at robertsimons58 at gmail.com. Did you want to give out church information right away? All right, well, we'd like to invite you to church as well. Our church, we are from the New Life Pentecostal Church right here in Dickinson. We're located at 105 7th Avenue West. Again, that's the New Life uh, Pentecostal Church right here in Dickinson. Uh, if you need a ride, give us a call, 701-264-7862. Um, uh, or you can email us, robertsimons58 at gmail.com. Our next service is going to be Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. We'd love to have you. Uh, if you need a ride, like I said, give us a call, 701-264-7862. Sunday mornings, 10 o'clock a.m., we have Sunday school, adult and children's Sunday schools. 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Sunday morning is our worship service. Yeah, I'm jealously guarding that text number. I, I just, uh, you know, last time it was just, I nonstop fielding compliments, and I just uh, spent all my day just uh, answering. No, that's not true. But um, anyway, uh, no, I'm not giving out my text number. But some people have it. But um, I don't know. I just, I'm just uh, guarded. I, I'm not on Facebook. I don't, I don't give out my text number. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm different. I'm not, I'm not the typical. I, you know, I don't think I'm a, a millennial. I was born in 1980. I don't. I'm not sure if that's technically a millennial or not. Anyway, you know, an example. This might make some people upset. An example of unintended consequences. Um, the um, the women's suffrage movement. The you know the women's right to vote in the early 1900s, uh, which the right was granted in 1920. You know, if you study that out. You find out that many women, most women, did not want the right to vote. Now, I'll say at the outset, I think that they should have the right to vote. I'm glad they have the right to vote. They're smart enough to have the right to vote. You know, I'm not saying that we should take it away or they shouldn't have been granted any of that. Please do not, you know, direct, you know, well, direct all letters to, to Pastor Simons if you want to do that. But I am not saying anything against that. But I'm pointing out the fact that, that the majority of women did not want the right to vote. Because that right had consequences tied to it. There, there had responsibilities tied to it. For example, uh, a man with the right to vote was also required to help in, um, like, for, well, for example, like hue and cry laws. So if someone was on the street and, rose a hue, uh, and raised a hue and cry, meaning that they were being robbed or they were being hurt or they needed help, 
if a man heard that and did not help that person, they could be facing jail time. Uh, a man would also would be could be drafted into like a bucket brigade if there was a fire. A man could be drafted in like a posse where if there was a dangerous criminal on the loose and they they would have to help out. And the in 1917, before the you know, woman's uh, right to vote was granted, and and really in in sort of as, as um, uh, you know they 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 put it into law, but before that, I, I believe it was just that was already something that was going on, but. The Supreme Court said that the draft was is connected to citizenship rights. So, in other words, if you're if you're a voting citizen, then you have to be uh, you're eligible for the draft, which was men. And so, um, you know, so a lot a lot of these women would look at this and, and they would say, "We don't want this." And um, but there were there was a, a vocal minority, and there was different things uh, going on, of course, at the time and over the course of time. Uh, that that passed, okay, and uh, interestingly enough, um, a lot of the responsibilities that the men uh, had, they they did not get passed on to to, to the women. So the women were kind of worried for nothing, right? Well, flash forward to 2016. This is from the New York Times. I'm sure you've already heard about this. This is old news, um, but I'm just reading just a blurb from this article, June 14th, 2016, in New York Times says, and I'm quoting, under the Senate bill passed on Tuesday, women turning 18 on or after January 1st, 2018, would be forced to register for selective service as men must do now. The Supreme Court ruled in 1981 that women do not have to register for the draft, noting that they should not face the same requirements as men because they did not participate on the front lines of combat. But since Defense Secretary Ashton B. Carter said in December that the Pentagon would open all combat jobs to women, Military officials have told Congress that women should also sign up for the draft. Now, uh, I've already had one person sort of comment on the, the idea that the draft really hasn't been around for, for you know, 30 years or whatever. Um, uh, longer than that, right? Uh, anyway, um, that's not really the point. The point is that there are all these consequences that uh, maybe, you know, People in general, women in particular, did not want, or they might say, "I didn't choose this." So when the when the initial idea was, "Let's get women to vote," they're just as smart as men; they're just as capable. I believe that's true. When they were saying that, they did not choose to be drafted into combat of war. I, I believe that they did not, for the most part. Maybe they, you know, maybe some of them were fine with that. Now, obviously. Drafting uh, into the army or, or the, the military, rather, you don't have to necessarily go into a combat role. I understand that. But how many, you know, stepping back, how many fathers are going to watch their sons become daughters or vice versa or see their family structure ripped apart by bizarre progressive social engineering and think, I didn't choose this? Um, you know, how many parents are, you know, in you know that's that's this is more about the gender confusion thing than the, than the draft. But you know the the whole point is that we are choosing things and living a certain way, and we get to the the end of those things and we're reaping all the consequences and we're wondering how did we get here? How is our society the way that it is? We didn't choose this, but we did choose it. We absolutely did choose it. There are 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 any number of men and women who would never go for a lot or most of 
the extreme ideas of the entertainment of this world, right? I mean, you know, nowadays most people are aware, at least they they understand that um, some really, really, you know, dark and bizarre things can be seen and heard, you know, not only just, you know, television movies, which there are still rating companies and, and you know, rating bodies, but, um, you know, on the Internet, it's wide open. It's the Wild West, right? And so, um, you know, I would say most people are not interested in seeing those things. Most people would say that's disgusting, that's extreme, that doesn't fit with my values. I'm not talking about just Christian or religious values, just, you know, decent moral human being values. But they don't realize that even though you might not be uh, agreeing with or supporting these extreme things, you don't realize that you've been deeply involved in supporting these ideas and activities for for years. Uh, we chose the gender confusion that we have today. We chose that. Now, I will say that, you know, if you look at the numbers of actual transgendered people, it is a percent of a percent. It is so minute. It, it is so small. And yet... Uh, I mean, it, it is like I mean, it's a it's a huge thing in the in the news and the media and on social media, and I mean, it's ju- it's huge, and um, you know, and, I mean, and so like proportionally, way overblown, like big time, bigly <laughs> overblown, to use a, a term of our our um, president elect, uh, who I believe I could be wrong on this, and that he could reverse himself, but not particularly. Um, against transgenderism i mean he's 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 not particularly um he's not very socially conservative but anyway whether you like that or not just putting that out there now if you've blinked and missed the last few decades the situation we find ourselves in as a society regarding gender confusions different pronouns intersectionality if you haven't heard of that you will it's coming up uh, the LGBTQAAIP, and no, I'm not just adding letters. That is, that's the, so, so far that is all the letters that are there, LGBTQAAIP. We didn't get here overnight. And, it, you know, I can imagine, you know, a, a blue collar worker in the middle of Minnesota, you know, right now he's in his leather chair after a long day at the plant. Uh, well, not this is Sunday, but, you know, tomorrow. Last Monday, whatever, drinking a beer, you know, watching the nightly news, and seeing all the celebrities and seeing the the politicians debate about bathrooms, and he sees the, the coverage of, of protests on campus over what pronouns to use for for students, and he thinks, how in the world did we get here? What a bunch of weirdos! And then he turns the channel to a popular TV show, or puts on a movie, and he entertains himself with garbage that his parents would have had to sneak out to watch that they they would never they would never want to let anyone to know that they saw this this stuff all the while paying the salary of the celebrity weirdos that he's upset about and so when he says and you know not maybe I wouldn't literally say this but you know I didn't choose this yes you did choose this you chose this we could talk about uh, addiction, and we don't have a lot of time left. But you know, we chose the rampant 
opioid and prescription pain pills and the addictions and the and the alcohol addictions. We we chose that um, as a, as a society, as an individual. You know, how many addicts start off by by looking at the fun and the pleasure that can be derived from drugs and alcohol, and they never think that they will wind end up being addicted. You know, they chose the fun night. They chose the good times with their friends. They didn't choose the car wrecks. They didn't choose the fights. They didn't choose the destroyed relationships, the court time, the destroyed body and mind. At least they think they didn't choose it. But we, we understand that they did choose it. That's, you know, that's on the label. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, 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 that's right there under, under side effects. Um, you know, under some of this, the, the stuff that, that people say, well, it's not that big of a deal. And if they want to do that, if they want to do this, under the, the, the side effects under that it is, is what we're facing now and worse. Uh, and, and it, it will, and I'm, I'm on the fence about this. I'm, on the one hand, I think it might, it, it just, it, it came so far, so fast. Um, it's just, it's kind of in your face at this point. And I think there's a lot of backlash to that. Like a lot of, a lot of the, um, sort of the, um, uh, I don't know if I want to call it social, progressive, you know, again, a lot of with the gender confusion and, and the different pronouns and the different race relationships. I, I think, you know, in cultural appropriation, and I, I, might, I might be speaking Greek to some people, but, I mean, this is all the kinds of things that are sort of brewing in our in our society now. A, a lot of it, it's just so much, so soon, that there might be some backlash to that. And actually, I, you know, well, I'm not going to get political. Anyway, or I'm trying to get less political than I have been. Um but eventually, we're just going to go even farther. I mean, the, we're 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 on the slope. We're going down. You know, I um, we are going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up here, and, and um, we're going to go to a um, a song here at the end just to kind of play us out, I guess. But you know, I just I want to paint a little picture here, and we're going to go back to this idea of Molech worship. You know. I'm talking about how people think that they want certain things, but they don't realize that often there are other consequences. And Molech, as it happens, uh, is a god whom we know a little bit about how his um, practitioners worshipped him. And, uh, you know, I imagine a, a young couple, young Hebrew by by birth, uh, you know, man and, and woman and they decided not to serve the Lord. They heard Joshua that day. They decided to pack up camp. You know, that was kind of the last straw, him, you know, questioning their loyalty to God. So they decided that they'll show him and they won't serve the Lord. That'll show him. And so they, they go off into the land of, that they're around. They, they find an Ammonite camp and he's good with his hands. And so he finds work very quickly. Um, you know, she knows her trade. And so she is able to help out the family and, and uh, as uh, time goes on, they're they are with child, and then and you know they're 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 um, you know doing really well with their neighbors. Everyone's on the same page, you know. They're all in the same um, uh, you know, bowling league or whatever they did back then. Um, they're worshiping at the same uh, you know meetings, and at some point after the birth, he he finds himself. It's late at night. The um, metal statue of Molech is glowing bright red. They would get that. They would. They would get that thing so hot that it would just be just cherry red. 
and uh, there's a cutout in that uh, statue. Now we re- we know this is how they worship Moloch. There's a cutout in that statue, and there's a fire raging, and he's standing there next to his wife, and they're holding that brand new baby, and they're standing in front of that statue, and now it's their turn to put that baby into that burning statue and watch that baby burn up as part of their worship to Moloch. And he's he's thinking to himself, I didn't choose this. I don't, I don't want to do this. But when you worship Moloch, that's part of it. That's what you, that is what you get. That is the benefit of worshiping Moloch. That is a natural consequence. And when and we and when we turn away from the Lord, when we don't serve him, when we don't do the things that he's asked us to do, and we we just do what, you know, we go along with society, we we partake in the pleasures, uh, you know, we, we don't have much time for God, then at some point we find ourselves, we look around, we see where our world is at, where our families are at, and, and we just we just think, how did it happen? We didn't choose this. And hopefully we realize that we did. And if you find yourself in that position tonight, I mean, the, the, I guess I kind of want to leave it like that, but I don't know if I should, am I supposed to give people hope or, or what? And I mean, I want to, you know, God is merciful. Um, and, and the whole point tonight is, is to not to stay, you know, if you're, if you find yourself just in the confusion if you're in depression, if you're, you know, not happy with where you're at, you know, the idea is that you don't just stay there, but the idea is that you make your way back to the Lord, and I think that's what He wants. Um, I'm just going to pray real quick, and then we're going to go to the song, and and we'll we will be back next week. But Lord Jesus, I just ask God that you would just uh, just a simple prayer, Lord, that you would somehow God get a hold of us to and help us to see these consequences maybe before they are upon us, God, before it's it's too late and before we're we're reaping the things that we sowed, and God, just help us to to be pleasing to you, to turn to you, God, and to, to do what's in your word, and to seek after you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Good night, everybody. We'll be back next week, Lord willing. Nothing, no, nothing, no.
Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The preceding program was brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio.